if you're trying to persuade someone, the more you're talking about this and using your words, the less you're actually persuading. Welcome to Monday Mornings with Michelle, the new business podcast. Whether you're kicking off your day or kickstarting your business, Michelle is going to kick your ass into next week with the essential fours, strategy, systems, support, and state of mind. Now, welcome to center stage, Michelle Nedelec. Hey there, peeps. This is Michelle Nedelec, and I'm super glad that you're here with us today because I'm here with my amazing guest, Ben. Ben, thank you so much for being here today. Hey, my pleasure. Awesome. So give everybody the 5,000 foot view of who you are and what you love to do. Hey, uh, Ben Bressington, as you can tell, I have an accent. So that means I'm from Australia. Uh, and uh, I love uh, behavioral intelligence and helping people communicate more effectively. Um, I'm passionate about cycling, coffee, and anything really caffeine related uh, is my addiction of choice. Um, but uh, yeah, other, other than that, uh, I'm uh, using artificial intelligence to help people improve their sales conversions and uh, take their communication to a new level. Artificial intelligence and emotional intelligence, how did they fit together? <laughs> yeah, well, uh, it, it all started because like I sucked at communication. I sucked <laughs> at sales. So I'm like, hey, if I want to get better, like then you go down the rabbit hole of self-development, self-awareness, personality assessments, you know, the the thing of month-long boot camps and seminars and yeah, rah, rah. And then I'm like, this is all good and well, but like I was doing this stuff. I'm like, how do I apply that to a conversation like I'm having right now? Like, and a lot of it is theory driven, but then like the real world application is it gets lost or someone's having success with it. And you go into, what are you doing on a real, like real world basis? And they're like, I'm not really sure. Like, all right, great. So like you get left with this stuff. And I, I talk to a lot of people who dis, do DISC or ocean assessments and all this type of stuff. And I'm like, so can you predict somebody's personality profile? And they're like, oh, not really. I'm like, so can you look at somebody's LinkedIn profile and kind of predict who they are? And I'm like, oh, not really. I'm like, then what did you get certified in this stuff for? Like, what did you do the assessment for? Um, and so I kind of dove into that a lot further. I did a whole lot on body language. And then when I was talking to my sales team, I'm, I'm, they're like, man, we don't want to learn all this stuff. We don't have time to learn this stuff. So I'm like, all right, well, how do I create something that is the easy button for interpreting this? So that's why now we can literally take an email address, convert it into a personality assessment. I can take a recording of a conversation, like this conversation in the podcast right now, and I can analyze our personality. I can analyze where in the conversation I may have lost influence. I may have lost authority. Do I even have influence in the conversation? And things like that, uh, uh, that EQ is extremely important because a lot of people miss that. Um, and one of the big note things I've noticed over analyzing a lot of data is that a lot of the persuasion tactics that have been taught or the sales tactics that have been taught actually create internal resistance in the conversation. And I think a lot more people are becoming aware of that. And I believe there's two ways now to sell. There's that the old way, which is the, ex the external forces uh, reducing price, pressure or deadline, you know, the stuff where it kind of all makes us kind of feel uncomfortable and kind of like we want to have a bath after talking to that person. <laughs> or there's that thing where you can have a conversation and you're intrinsically motivating that person and they're engaging with you. And we can actually, 
we actually help people like trigger that intrinsic motivation and intrinsic want from that person, if that makes sense. Oh, absolutely. It does. I think one of the thing, the biggest things, and I find it really funny because I used to teach people how to create rapport and how to, how to do sales for that matter. And a lot of people, when they learn this thing called rapport, uh, you know, see something you like and comment on it. And when people do it wrong with the wrong intention, you can do it wrong with the right intention and people will see that and go, oh, okay, that was cute. But you can do it wrong with the wrong intention and people go, oh, wow, you, this is not going anywhere. And it's like in the first 30 seconds of a meeting and it's gone awry. And you know, as a salesperson, their heart is kind of sort of in the right place. Like they want to figure out, is this a good fit and will it work for you? We want to benefit you. But in their brain, they're just reeling backwards going, oh shit, how do I get myself out of this mess? So- 100%, 100%. I, I, I am empathizing with you 100%. I know that people are there. I know anybody that hasn't gone through my program is like, what are you talking about? But that's okay. When you're working with somebody, like start right at the basics. Where are you applying this? Are you applying this in the lead generation on LinkedIn? Or are you applying this in the sales meetings? Where's the earliest point that you um, yeah, so we can actually apply this on uh, the lead outreach. So we can actually start from the lead outreach and all the way through. Like we can, uh, I've been working with a few people to analyze their web page and go, okay, are you happy with the people you're attracting? And they're like, eh. I'm like, well, tell me more about that, right? So there's ways to actually extract information, right? Um, and uh, you find out, well, no, they're not really happy. There's a conflict or you know what? The sales guy doesn't have success or salesperson, I should say, doesn't have success with this person. And when we look at their clients, they're all a similar personality type because we teach per people the four personality types and how they apply it. And we use the bird behaviors for that to make okay, it let's simple. Let's back up the bus. I'm going to stop you right there. I know a bazillion of them, which four are you referring to and how do you break them up just so that we're speaking the same lingo? Yeah, well, great question. So uh, we use the, what we call bird behavior. So we've got the uh, peacock, we've got the pigeon, we've got the eagle, and then we've got the owl. So we made it very, very simple. I'm using a model that's from uh, originated out of Australia from Des Hunt back in the early 80s. Um, and it's been very, very successful. And one of the things I found is that people remember it. Because I, I, I find it fascinating. I'm like, they go, oh, yeah, I did a personality assessment. I'm like, okay, great. What are you? I don't know. I don't know. I like <laughs> P, Q, uh, uh, F, something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, <laughs> I'm like, all right, then how is that serving you? And I think there's a massive problem with these personality assessments because they, can, they become a weapon for bad. And the thing is, is they become an excuse for behaviors. And that's never what they were designed to do. Or they become like a here, workplace here. will do them. Like a workplace <laughs> will do an assessment for everybody, right? Mm -hmm. And the thing is, it's like, yeah, with all this. And then for the next three weeks, you're getting all these labels thrown around the office. Oh, they're a DQPS. And that's what you got that's to expect from them. <laughs> and, 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 and oh my, and then it's kind of forgotten. And the thing right. is, is that doesn't help create the culture. There's no blueprint given to say, well, you know what? How do I effectively communicate with Ben? And how do I make sure that the uh, communication is open and the way that it needs to be? So they kind of they kind of stop at this assessment. So I think uh, just doing assessments for the purpose of doing an assessment is a complete waste of time. 
let alone when you, if we want to go into the HR conversation, well, that's just a, that's just a mess. But um, so uh, is it okay if I just kind of give people the uh, 30,000 foot view of each of these birds, if they've never heard of them before? Absolutely. Cause I was going to ask you, what's the benefit of being a pigeon? And I've called people, people, peacocks before (laughs) came across more as an insult than a compliment (laughs) well don't get me wrong i love peacocks they're awesome exactly (laughs) but the thing is is uh when you hear this you'll resonate you'll be able to see it so the thing is is we got i call um the name of this bird i call vegas right uh that's peacock because they are all about the glitz and the glamour the name alone should tell you exactly what they're about they want to be famous they hate being bored and they're looking for external stimulation Right. And that's like these influencers and they're always, they've got to be doing something. They've got to be active, like busy to them is productive, mm-hmm. may not be profitable, but it's productive in their world. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's an instant understanding from them. They want praise. They don't take feedback. Well, that type of stuff. Uh, can you think of any of those peacocks? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Right. So on the you other might side, be of that, looking we- at one. <laughs> Well, I, so, every yeah, time I explain this, people We got a little bling going like, on today just for you. <laughs> exactly. You got the status. Hey, we're wearing the same colors. It's, it's, all, it's all good, right? Um, and on the other side of that, we've got the uh, pigeon. The pigeon, you may have pigeon or dove, depending on how you've heard it in the past. But with the pigeon, just think of a pigeon in the park. They're a pack animal. They want to be everybody's friend. They're very flighty. This bird, you will scare very, very easy, right? Um, they uh, hate taking risks, right? So they hate rejection. They want to be liked by everybody. They don't like making quick decisions Like you cannot take this person to the cheesecake factory because they won't decide what for lunch is. Like you'll go, you want to go have tacos? And they're like, oh, I had tacos two weeks ago. And like, you're like, what's that got to do with what you're eating today? And like, and they're telling you about the recipe that they're having like in two weeks from now. I'm like, yeah, but I want tacos now. And like, I've already made the decision, right? Well, you go in there. I'm sure we've all sat down with this person at the dinner table at the restaurant. They're looking around at what everybody else is eating. The waiter comes up and goes, what would you like? And they're like, oh, come back to me in a minute. And they're looking at what everybody else ordered. Like they're going to sample everybody's plate like a buffet or something, right? <laughs> so some people like, well, the response when I usually tell that people, most people are laughing and like, yeah, I know people like that, right? Or, or that person pisses me off, right? So that's <laughs> That's one. So that's what we call our pigeon, right? So, uh, and when you're talking to them, you have to remember you can scare them easy. So that's something interesting to pay attention to. The next one was we've got the eagle. I call the eagle liberty. Uh, the name of the pigeon, just for those who wanted to pay attention, is what I call tank uh, because they're steady and consistent. Like a tanker in the ocean, they turn and change slowly. All right. So this is the most advanced crash course and personality most people are ever going to have. And I can promise <laughs> you they'll remember most of it. So the next one, we've got Liberty the Eagle, right? And just like an eagle, they will spot their prey from a mile away. They'll hone in it. They're all task-orientated, right? They want to be the boss. They want to be in control, and they hate losing. Very competitive people. So it's easy to engage those people. And if you're talking about people-orientated things, they ain't interested. They're tasked. What do I got to do now to get that result, right? Um, Know any of those eagles? Mm Mm-hmm. Might be a peacock a with a couple of eagle feathers. <laughs> so one of the things you want to be aware of is most people have a, a dominant and a secondary. So and it you change based on the situation. Um, so you're not just one. You are there is a mix. And the last one is what I call the thinker, and that's the owl. And the owl is that person that would rather be right 
than rich. They uh, hate change. Like to change an L is complicated. And this person, like when they say they want to think about it, they literally want to think about it. They're going to go read the white papers. They're going to go research the patents that the company has. They're going to read the 500 testimonials that are on the website. They may even call a few people. They're going to read every forum and every blog post said by everybody everywhere, right? So this is that interesting person when you go to sell them. You have to be aware of this and you have to be aware of how they're interacting. But more importantly, okay, how do I need to be? So for example, I'm, uh, I'm that uh, peacock eagle. So when I'm communicating to a pigeon or an owl, I have to slow down. I have to be aware of them and I have to be aware that my excitement, because I can get excited and talk fast and very animated, it comes off arrogant to those people just because of how they are slowly processing. And when I ask a question, I have to give them time to actually think about it. So that's when the, if any of the listeners who are on, if you're similar to me, you've got to literally count one Mississippi, two Mississippi, three Mississippi, four Mississippi, five Mississippi in your head and just shut up. Let them think and they will answer. So if you jump in and answer your own question, you'll actually piss them off more than anything. So did that answer your question? <laughs> yes, it does. That's awesome. <laughs> so, so when you're going through, um, say website, let's go with the website and let's assume, um, well, I guess in the, in this case, when you, when you're writing a landing page, it doesn't really matter who wrote it. It matters who you're looking to attract to that page, which I think is fantastic because as opposed to say a LinkedIn profile, I can get my assistant to write my LinkedIn profile and go, yeah, it's good enough, whatever. Um, so it may reflect my assistant's personality, and not mine. Uh, whereas a landing page, it's irrelevant about me or my assistant. It's all about the person that's coming to this page and who it appeals to. You would think so. However, if I wrote it as an eagle, the language I'm using is going to be task oriented, ROI driven. And I may be thinking about uh, the, the case study that talks about that. The one that doesn't talk about any social impact. It doesn't talk about the people impact. It doesn't talk about, or I may not put testimonials up there because I think showing the numbers and the stats of the return on investment is enough to coordinate, uh, to display the value proposition. But yet for the peacock, they care about the status. They compare about how people went from zero to hero, not necessarily about the money. They care about the, the bling, the things. They care about the other factors. So you should be aware of who is writing your copy because they're using the linguistics of their personality type. And so when we talk about that, that's one and four. So then the people coming to the page, how is that page resonating with them? And the thing is, is you can even look at the calls to action, the owl, is going to want the white papers. They're going to want the research. They're going to want the studies. They ain't going to want to book a call with you, no matter what you promise, because you know what? You haven't given them enough data to consume. They're going to watch, they want to watch some videos. They want to watch some demos and they don't want to give you the email to watch those videos because they're trying to research. And what they want to do is they want to come to you with questions. Do you, do you want to know a little secret for engaging with an owl? Always. So when you're engaging with an owl, come with a checklist. Give them a checklist. Your, down, your call to action for that person should be the checklist. The seven things uh, to use to when reviewing a solution like this, right? And you, go, you, you sit down with you and go, look, we're going to talk about three things today. 
And you can talk about those three things and they're going to sit with you until you complete all three things. If you only talk about one thing and don't finish, they're going to be mighty. Their feathers are going to be ruffled, right? <laughs> so the thing is, is you want to be aware of that. So on your page, how are you making use of checklists, numbers, um, those frequently asked questions? Like here's what other people think about when they're researching this product. A great uh, way of the language analysis. Does that help? Absolutely. Those are all awesome. So looking at, um, well, let's touch on the sales thing before we move on, because I think in sales, it is epically important as well that people learn to identify these traits because I've seen so many novice salespeople bombard a conversation with, I think you're this because I saw a soccer ball in your office. And it's like, dude, that's the kid's soccer ball. <laughs> Come on, work, work with me here. <laughs> this isn't that tough, but um, so how do you get somebody to start ingraining this so that they're not dependent just on the AI and that they're not just dependent on, I need to read up and research about this person, but that you can actually, you know, at least have an idea of who somebody is with a handshake and go from there. Uh, well, one of the biggest things is that most salespeople are product pushers and not problem finders, right? So the thing is, is your whole goal is to actually understand, is there a problem? And you need to step back from that consultative selling mm -hmm. and actually look at asking emotionally driven questions. Probe for the emotion and the pain, not the logical response. Because if you don't have the logical, if you, everything you do is surface level and logical, you're going to miss the real reason. You're going to miss the real motivation. You're going to miss the real drivers and you're going to not create urgency. That's where then most people collapse on price or offer or they end up giving away far more than they should. Uh, when you're meeting somebody, you can ask questions. So building, let's talk about building rapport. For example, a lot of people will spend 15 minutes talking about the weather. If you're talking to an eagle, every minute to them counts. And they just task ROI, how do I get the most out of this and move on? So the thing is, is every minute you talk about the weather or sports or skiing or whatever you think is building your rapport is a complete waste for them. You can actually start to see some of this in people's profiles by their language. And the thing is, as I say to people, look, if you step onto a call, you step on talking confidently. You don't have, you can hum and ha, you can um, sound a little bit skeptical because you want to. Because if you're excited, one of the things we've seen is there's these sales myths of be excited, right? And then your prospect will be excited. But what we're actually seeing now that's actually creating resistance. It's not improving people's persuasion. So step on with some confidence, have an agenda, and be clear on the outcome you're trying to set. That's one of the fastest ways you can create persuasion. And one of the things people will want to notice is if you're trying to persuade someone, the more you're talking about this and using your words, the less you're actually persuading. If you want to persuade people, you need to now intrinsically persuade them and have them tell you what their problem is. Have them tell you how long this has been a problem. And there's some simple questions you can use for that. Um, like, Let's say your website generates your hot lead, right? You've got a hot lead, you've got a referral, you've got someone that's coming, right? We've actually created a question archetype of the questions you should ask at each stage of the, the, your conversations, which is where most people get hung up because they've got no script, no process. And that's where I suffered for many, many years. I thought I could wing it, right? 
I thought I got this and I didn't got this no at all. Right. So the thing is, is here's a question. Do you want me to give the question away or yeah, you want that absolutely. as a, something else? So no matter when I talk to somebody, I go, um, so um, I say like, for example, Michelle, have you found what you're looking for or are you still looking for a sales conversion solution? Right. So you still insert looking. your solution at me. Right. Still looking. Well, I was just curious, like, what was it about the ad you saw that got your interest? Uh, it was that you guys get results. Tell me more about that. What do you mean? What results are you wanting to get? Uh, well, we need to improve our sales results. There's always room for improvement. So you can instantly see that if I just jump in and actually start asking these probing questions, the report's already created. I've already created authority. And one of the things you want to be aware of is tonality. You don't have to come across pushy. You don't have to come. You want to come across, across as a conversation. This is conversational based sales. Um, and then I can understand who you are based on how you're communicating with me. And what I'm trying to understand is move you to the, the point, like the whole thing of talking about the weather and the soccer ball is what I would call incorrect chit chat because it's not furthering your cause and it's not furthering their cause. Like I would rather go, so Michelle, how long have you been with this company, with this company? Right. Um, I'd rather talk about stuff like that. Like how long have you been experiencing these challenge or looking for solutions? Right. Because I can have a conversation while we're doing that rather than because a lot of people you'll see when they jump on zoom, right. Or any go to meeting and someone else is joining, right. That's when they do that chit chat stuff, but they're not having a conversation that's meaningful and actually creating rapport. It's actually creating resistance. And then you've got this awkward thing where you're waiting five minutes for that other person who seems to be far more important, uh, like wait to finish that call, right? Does that make sense? Absolutely, it does. And one of the my favorite things I used to hear from our salespeople was, I just want to know how to move the conversation forward. And I was like, well, where do you want to move the conversation to? And it's like, well, to the close. And it's like, okay, because now <laughs> your focus is totally in the wrong place and 100%. that's why you're having issues kind of bringing the conversation in that direction so when people come up with that because i think that was one of the biggest um one of the biggest obstacles that i saw salespeople have was they wanted to direct the conversation yeah into the close so how do you address that and what are, what are you looking at with the new research we're seeing is the pitching a product should actually be 10% or less of your conversation. And that's where a lot of people are wrong. Like they, they're asking several questions. Like they're asking the, Hey, Michelle, what keeps you awake at night? Right. I'm like, well, the kids freaking keep me awake at night or whatever <laughs> it is. Right. Blocks, yeah. <laughs> like having to wake up in the morning and do this, crap, whatever it is. Right. But the thing is, is like, those are logically driven questions, which everyone know and has everyone heard. Right. Um, and the problem has been that people are just waiting to hear a buzzword, right? And then pounce into their pitch with features and benefits. And that's the wrong way to do it. Um, like, for example, uh, you should be asking people, um, you could clarify with them and you constantly want to be clarifying. So you could say something along the lines of, what are you possibly hoping to get uh, or accomplish by us working together? Right. That's a far better question to ask. And 
you're you actually before you close anyone you need to have them sell themselves on why they even want to work with you because when you go to close you're going to do the whole package urgency extrinsic motivation and that's where a lot of people have gone wrong and they don't realize that the they lost the sale not at the close they lost it at the start of the conversation and they didn't probe deep enough for an emotional trigger and we can show that with now the data. Like we can literally analyze your sales calls and show you where you lost influence, where you lost authority, where you created these emotions in your sales presentation. You weren't even aware of it. Nice. Love that. One last one, and we'll go on here, is the, the client that wants you to prove that you're competent by getting, you know, okay, so what's my solution? give me some ideas what I can do to improve in this. And then they go and take it and they do those things. And sayonara. What, how do you teach salespeople to overcome that? So that would be where they, they've just kind of milked you for information, right? Yep. So the thing is, is it also means that you didn't establish uh, trust or authority well enough in the, in the get go. And once again, you gave them no, urgency or really need to work with you right so the thing is is you can identify like you're not going to close everybody you can improve your closing rate 100 percent. but the thing is is there's a certain type of person that is always just research or hunting but they're also thinking they can solve every problem and the thing is is you go well look how long have you been experiencing this problem of not having enough leads for example like how long have you experienced the problem of not having this like and they're not talking about the consequences of bad action. Like when was the last time you had any of these people even ask what, what I would call like a consequence-based question, which is something along the lines of like, uh, so Michelle, what have you done about changing your situation? Nothing. Like We've had the and, same and guy go, for like three years. Yeah. So what would you if you could? Like, so actually starting to dive in and go, well, I get it. You can go do this stuff yourself, but what happens if in 12 months from now, you're still in the same position? Just see how that question just changes the complete emotion <laughs> of a, it's not even a close because then all of a sudden now they're, situ they're having to sit there and picture themselves 12 months from now and going, well, so if I do this myself, I could save a bit of money, whatever it is, but is it actually going to get me closer to buying the Ferrari or whatever it is they want to buy, right? And that's where a lot of these salespeople mess, mess up because they lose authority by not being the doctor. You are the doctor that can solve their problem if you know what their real problem is. I just love it. So give me an example of who you love to work with. Who's your ideal client? So uh, my ideal clients are literally companies that are looking to scale their sales teams uh, or people who are looking to improve their closing conversion rate. So they know they've been doing things, they've been hacking together things, uh, and they're just not getting the conversions they want. So they've got their product, they've got an offer, uh, which they got in the market, and they're like, they want to improve their conversions because we can help people 5x their conversions or more. So the thing is, is we help uh, love working with people who have a process and want to change their words. They want to change the way they're coming across the people. They want to remove the pressure from sales. Because I knew one of the things I hated in sales conversations was that fake pressure, that fake, like the anxiety that gets created. Oh, I got to go close this person. 
like we even change that language now. It's just, I just want somebody's commitment and I want them to commit, not me. So the thing is, is when it's just those type of conversations, there's no pressure. So we like working with those people who want and are looking to make that change. And it could be, you could be a solo person or you could have a team of five or a team of 50, because if you've got a, the more salespeople, we can help you have a literal pulse on every sales conversation of what's going on. Uh, there's little things we can help you understand. Like, did you leave somebody unhappy and you didn't realize it? There's a, a lot of this emotional intelligence stuff that's crazy impactful, even on your company culture. Nice. I love that. So um, give us a, an example of one of your Cinderella stories. One of your clients that came to you, complete mess, and how you helped them turn around. So uh, we had this uh, one company in the cybersecurity space, which is a tough, very, very tough market. They'd spent a lot of money on consultants and advisors. And like they had purchased pretty much every product for a lead generation book offer, like lots, six figures in final building stuff, right? Um, and uh, what we found was that they're always having every conversation where a feature product led, right? Um, and they had a sales script that wasn't working at all. It was kind of like those surface level questions from the consulting model. And there was no real pain, no real problem. And then they dealt with a lot of people who were price shopping. So it's like, oh, we're going to compare you this, you're 50 cents more, right? So they literally lose a deal over 50 cents, right? And the thing is, is they didn't understand, they didn't have their value proposition uh, clearly articulated from the pain and problem of it was managed solutions. So uh, people, they didn't calculate or show how that was calculated into the price. This is saving you an additional 50 grand a year or whatever it is. Like none of that was communicated. Like they just looked at this per computer device type thing. Um, so one of the things we did is we worked with one of their reps uh, and we helped one of their reps literally change their conversion rate um, quite significantly. They ended up closing just under $500,000 worth of business in the last 12 months. Like that was just the 12 months gone uh, when a lot of companies were struggling. They weren't having much success. Um, and they, this person had actually spoke to us before and they're like, hey, we've done maybe uh, 30 presentations in the last six months. And we didn't close a single one, right? So they went from closing none in six months to closing a lot more business uh, just by being able to change the way they had conversations. And bear in mind, that was in recurring business for them. So that worked out extremely well. Um, and it took a process. Like we, had, we just worked with one rep. Um, and like this company was dealing with the point of like having to fire people and, and lay people off because like they just weren't having like, their pipeline was dying. Um, and uh, and a lot of people experience that. Like I talk to a lot of people every day and like, hey, I don't even know what to say to somebody when I reach out to them on LinkedIn. I'm like, well, like they just don't even have the words. Um, and a lot of people struggle with the script on this type of stuff. So that's why we've got taken this to the point of not just personality training, but like, hey, here's the words to use. And now here's the tonality to use. Here's how to phrase it. And once you have that, um, you start to change the game. Does that make sense? That totally makes sense. And I love it because having had a team of salespeople, everybody's like, oh, focus on your number one person and they're going to excel and it won't matter what the rest do, which I hated as a, <laughs> just, just 
that's not why I'm in business. That's not what I do. What I love about yours is it's a system that you can bring in to a sales team of 10 or 50, like you said, and everybody gets something that they can start to work on. Because what I also found was sometimes my person that was super socially awkward and didn't know what to say ended up being my number one salesperson because people related to him so well, because he was just a little socially awkward. And I was like, well, that's, you know, they clearly you're not better. here to take advantage of me. So let's yeah, they, sit down and have a conversation. This is awesome. Yeah, connected and, more authentically. You're 100% right. Yeah. So I love it, love it, love it. So what are some of the other obstacles other than clearly you're not making the sales that you need to make or your sales page isn't doing the thing that you want it to do? What are some of the struggles that people are having in their business? They're going, oh my God, Ben, I need you so badly. So one of the other things is uh, churn. So there's three main things we help people with. So there's obviously the sales conversations. There's churn prediction. Like I can, we can actually predict churn and churn in two ways, churn of employee or churn of a customer um, uh, based on a change in their language and the change over time. So that churn prediction is quite interesting and we help people get an alert ahead of time. So go, hey, something's going on with this client. I've now got to reach out and ask a different question to see, are they looking at other options? Are they looking at going away? Because to try and save that churn. And the, the third thing that we help people with is culture creation. Because one of the things we can do is we can analyze your entire company, small team, big team, it really doesn't matter to understand, make sure everyone's happy. Right now, 16% of the, the marketplace is uh, literally looking for new opportunities, new work. So if you're running a small team and you lose a key player, right, That's that can hurt. That could really, really hurt a lot of people. I think I read Especially if you're article. living on the 80-20 rule where 80% of your business is coming from that one person. <laughs> exactly. So 4.3 million people quit their jobs in January alone this year, right? That was just published by uh, MSN. Um, so 43, uh, uh, yeah, so sorry, 43 million, 43 million people. Uh, so that's a lot of people are looking, changing. Uh, and the thing is, is you want to be aware of, okay, with my team, is everybody happy? And how do you get that information? The problem is if you do a survey once a month, or you try and chat with people, you may miss stuff where what our system does is it allows you to we just listen to Slack or Teams or the email, and we analyze the emails between the team. Are they happy? Uh, what's the emotional state of them? Uh, is there disgust going on? Is there fear? Is there joy? It's like, and the thing is, we can actually understand bottlenecks in productivity because if the sales team are doing well, but one of the salespeople pissed off the onboarding client person or the customer support person, so you know what? When they send something over to them, there's this kind of like this little. We call it a bird fight or a cock fight, right? Like there's just a little bit of feather dancing going on, right? That creates problems. And then how does that impact that client? Is that client? So for example, the client could be happy with XYZ, but when they go to the other person, there's eh, just the, the emotion changes. And that's that culture is problematic, if that makes sense. Absolutely, it does. That is awesome. So I know our listeners are going to want more from you. How did they start that journey with you? You can just reach out to behaviorsales.com. You can spell it the English way or the American way. Either way, you'll end up in one uh, central location. And if they reach out to our help at behaviorsales.com, if they want to send us an email uh, and they mention the podcast, we'll give them a whole bunch of uh, great resources and, and the ebook of People Ignorant, the book we just published. What was the name of the book? People Ignorant. 
because uh, people have become <laughs> ignorant to communication. Ago, that's an awesome oh, yeah. name. I'm going to ruffle some feathers. Hey, I'm <laughs> going out there. We're going to do something. We're going to like what? get people's uh, attention. That's awesome. So I have to ask you, Ben, at what point in life did you know that you were a special kind of crazy enough to think that you could become an entrepreneur? Uh, when I was 16. What happened? Uh, uh, well, I, uh, back then I was literally flying from Australia to Hong Kong to trade shows and conventions uh, to actually buy stuff over there. And then I'd come back and set up a website. Uh, and I just started doing that. And uh, I'm like, you just started doing is... that. And hold on, back up. No, at 16, you didn't just start flying to Hong Kong and going to trade yeah. shows and buying stuff. How does that happen? Yeah. Well, I just said, hey, I'm going to go do this. And my parents were pretty open at the time. So I, I did. And I literally went over there. I had a credit card that literally had 1500 bucks on it. So I like my budget for the trade show was $1,500. <laughs> Uh, and I was meeting, I was meeting the great people and everything. And my, the problem I had is that I had to have the money for that to pay the bill in 30 days. So the thing is, is I like come back. I had all this product getting shipped to me and then I had to get stuff online. This was before it was easy like it is now, but, um, I just learned how to do that. And then I just wanted to continue to improve and you can do amazing things when you're working for yourself. Um, you, you can have options and choices, which is what's exciting, right? All right. So Okay, so were you in school at that point? Uh, yeah, I was just finishing school in Australia. And bear in mind, I got a law and criminology degree, right? So I was meant to do law, and and then I took that <laughs> and applied criminology to profiling people. So well, now when I'm talking about personality styles and stuff, like I love this stuff because it's like right. understanding people. Because I was such an awkward, shy person that I'm like, hey, if I knew this back then, like, holy crap. Right. Yeah. That is awesome. I, I totally want to get into that mindset because I think it's hilarious and awesome. And but I'm going to ask you about your parents. So you're going into law, <laughs> criminology, and the kid comes up to you and says, "Hey, I'm thinking of going to Hong Kong, and going to a trade show to go buy some stuff to sell." Whoa! Yeah. Like, were your parents entrepreneurs? Did they go, "Oh, yeah, that's awesome. That sounds like a great idea." Like, you're on crack. What are you smoking? Who are your friends? Like where were, what were your parents going through at that time? Uh, they were kind of busy with their own stuff, so I kind of had some freedom. Uh, but they're all both <laughs> entrepreneurial, right? So they get it. Um, my mom was just like, "Yeah, go for it, whatever." Like uh, I don't think she really understood. She goes, "Oh, you'll learn a lot, regardless, good or bad." Like, uh, and yeah, Aww. I had experiences, and then like I, I had some mom. success with that, and then like I had a few people said to me, "What the hell are you doing?" I'm like, "Well, I'll show you." I, they literally paid for me to go to the next trip <laughs> and like just nice and like yeah you so just, were you, you like a really good shopper and you just knew hey people are going to want to buy this stuff because i want to buy that or yeah you just took a gamble and you had some wins had some losses right like at one point like we were selling bedazzled bra straps like because these ladies thought this stuff would be phenomenal and i'm like what i didn't know nothing about this stuff so if they reckon it's great great let's go um and like yeah it it, at that point to me it really didn't matter like because the market was totally different so right it was the opportunity was bigger because there wasn't this much stuff online um and uh but even now you can do it like there's a huge business of amazon drop shipping and all that e-commerce stuff um it's just you have to choose what you want to do i think the trends might have been a little more obvious back then and acquisition was harder for sure but i i'm i'm more fascinated about the mindset and just like hey i'm going into law this is like everybody's pinnacle of success and i'm gonna go left field <laughs> just, yeah. i'm 
go do something else. This is <laughs> well. I was running. Well, I, I like I didn't even have my law degree, and I was consulting the three law firms on how, running their property departments. Right. So, like the thing is, is I knew the, I knew what was possible at that time. While I had I had created a coffee shop and all this type of stuff. Right. So, like there was always a hustle going on. Um, what I didn't realize is they focus and refine that hustle over time, not add ten more new hustles to it. To like. <laughs> Well, you know, we all live and learn. Yeah, you live and learn, right? You make those mistakes a a few times. You're like, something's, I'm missing the mark here. Uh, Deep, not wide. Um, (laughs) Like, because some of the people I was learning from were like, oh, yeah, you want to have 10 different e-commerce sites. Great. I'll go start 10 e-commerce sites a month. No, I missed it. Like, it's (laughs) compete with yourself on one store. Oh, (laughs) totally different <laughs> yeah i think we were in on that one too and but we missed the trip to hong kong i was like what that sounds awesome you it you've is. been absolutely amazing thank you so much for your time Ben. i appreciate it and i know how much it's worth any last words for peeps uh if you guys want to make a difference uh the best thing you can do is start by understanding yourself um and understand the lens in which you're viewing the world and the more you start to become aware of your personality the, the more you'll be able to see it in others um so yeah that's the my biggest piece of advice to anybody awesome thank you ben this is michelle nedelec thank you for being here with us today be sure to subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast app so that we can continue to help you scale your business we love having you here thank you for listening to our show i'm all about being a resource center for entrepreneurs to give them the information and the support that they need to make it in business As such, the notes for this show can be found at our website at awarenessstrategies.com slash blog. Be sure to subscribe, give us a rating, I like five stars personally, and share with your friends.